Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Coot Blackson, man. What a beast. <laughs> um, all I got to say is I was like, man, can I have had this guy as a guest on my show like two years ago uh, or even 10 years ago? Uh, we talk about his book, The Magic of Surrender. I mean, the guy has this insane story, grew up Pentecostal church, his dad had millions of followers, ends up coming to the United States. Just, I mean, this guy is just like someone I've never met before. Really animated, amazing conversation. The guy is probably one of the more passionate speakers and uh, guests we've had on the show. But really, we learn all about the magic of surrender, which I think everyone can have more of in their life. Stay tuned. Enjoy the show. All right, guys. Welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazi. And boy, do we have a special guest. My man, Coot Blackson is in the house. What's up, Coot? How are you? Did I get that right? Did I pronounce it? I mean, I, I asked you before the show. Perfect. I'm, I hate butchering names, man. So, so <laughs> pumped, so pumped to have you here, man. Happy New Year! Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Oh man! So, listen for listeners who are new to the show, the Greatness Machine. We're about two things: people are living their passions, and those are creating greatness in the world. And my man Coot here is neither short of passion nor greatness. So pumped to have you here today. So, I want to go I, as people who listen to the show. You know that we always give a little bit, bit of background of how we know our guests. In this case, you know what I did is I told my team. I said, "Hey, look, guys, we're you know we're getting a lot of traction right now. I want you to go, and I want you to go to some of my favorite shows." And go go hit up some of their past guests. So we went to Halataha, Young and Profiting. We love you, Hala. We, we went and so, looked at a bunch of her guests. And my team was like, "Hey, you, you got you got to get Kut on the show, man. Like the, this guy's oh, the nice. real deal." So we went. We approached him, and luckily for us, he said yes. So here we are today to chop it up. But I want to give a little bit of your formal um, bio. Is that does that work for you, Kut? And then we'll, we'll yes, get rolling let's here. Do it. So um, listen for listeners who are. Who, 
maybe a little bit uh, new to Kut and his work. He is a re- world-renowned teacher, author, leader, and speaker in the world of personal development. He's the author of two national best-selling books, You Are the One, and we're going to be talking today about the magic of surrender. I'm so, as you guys know, I, d- I love talking about the surrender and the effect it's had in my life and, and to learn from someone that, that's really well-known for it. That, that was one of the main reasons we wanted to have you here on the show. He's a charismatic, visionary, and transformational leader born in Ghana, West Africa. He's multicultural. His mom's Japanese. His father's Ghanaian, so we're going to be talking a little bit about, about your background. And uh, man, I was surprised to learn that you the first time you spoke in front of a crowd of 3,000, you were eight years old. That's insane, man. You're, you're a man of many accomplishments. That's super, so cool. So, Kut, like, I'd love to, you know, like, if you don't mind, here at the Greatness Machine, we'd like to, you know, take a little bit of back, go back into the origin story. Do you mind kind of taking us back into your origin a little bit and tell us a little bit about, about, about your background? Love it. Love to hear about it. Yeah. Look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father is from Ghana. My mother is Japanese. I grew up in London, live in the US. So I feel like I'm from everywhere and nowhere. Um, as a young boy, I always, I was a very empathetic kid. So I would feel people's pain very deeply. And there was a part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. I didn't know what that would look like. And and so I think, yeah, you mentioned AJ, I, I started speaking. Um, my I think my childhood on one level was a bit unusual. I say that on one level simply because while I was going through it, it felt pretty normal. I didn't. I thought everyone had my childhood. Everyone was living what I was living until I found out maybe not so. And so... Uh, my first memories as a young boy, around six, seven years old, was literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. Week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. The same man who sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick. Stand up. And he would touch them and they would stand up or somebody would come in with crutches and he would say, throw your crutches away and he would touch them and they would start walking or sight was restored and he would touch their eyes and they would see. And so the type of stuff that you think you see on TV, wonder if it's real, uh, I grew up around. And that's why I say it was a bit of an unusual childhood in that this man was my father. And so my father built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, built a huge church in London. And so when I was age eight, my father threw me in the audience one, one Sunday and said, speak. Uh, my father was a very mystical guy, actually, very spiritual guy, because he went to India in the 60s. My mother was a Buddhist, so I grew up meditating with her. So things were very eclectic growing up. And as a young boy, I was always very uh, curious about life. And I became very, I would say, obsessed with the meaning of life because I went to a school. I got a scholarship to a school that was a very prestigious school where a lot of kids in the school were from some of the wealthiest people in the world, you know, president's sons and prime minister's kids and politicians' kids. And I I was privileged to get a free scholarship to go there. And I was around these kids who had every reason to be happy, yet in many ways, them and their families, some of them seemed miserable. Yet I grew up in my father's church and in my father's church were a lot of folks that didn't have very much, came from poverty, weren't that educated, yet seemed happy and joyous and fulfilled. And so life didn't seem to make sense to me. And so I began asking the questions of like, what is the purpose of life? Where do we come from? What's the purpose of life? Where do we go? Is the purpose of life just to wake up, make money, buy a house, buy a car, make babies, and then die and go on two vacations? Like surely there has to be more. And so that 
that led me on a quest from a young age to try to understand the nature of life and why I'm here. And I began reading books from a very young age. I was sneaking to my father's bookshelf with my first self-help book at age eight, age nine on creative visualization, just trying to understand like the power of the mind. I read the Eastern mystics, people like Krishnamurti and Osho to Maharishi Mahesh Yogi to the Western mystics, folks like uh, Blavatsky or Gurdjieff to pop psychology folks like Wayne Dyer, Mariam Williamson, Deepak Chopra. And that, that created a bit of an obsession with personal growth and spirituality. And, and so speaking at age eight, age 14, I was ordained as a minister and I was given the mandate to take over my father's church. And it was announced one Sunday, my son is taking over, unbeknownst to me, my father and I, we didn't speak about it. And my entire life, honestly, was basically set out for me, you know, and I saw my entire future set out for me. And I knew in that moment that this wasn't my destiny. It wasn't my path. This wasn't the life I envisioned for myself. But as a 14-year-old boy, I think, honestly speaking, I was, I was too afraid to confront my father yeah. and I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear, like many of us, my fear was if I spoke my truth and I dared to be myself, I would lose my father's love. I'd be alone. I'd be outcast. And so I said nothing. And I think like many of us, we, I allowed fear to hijack my voice. I allowed fear to you know, stop me from being truthful. And I think many of us as human beings, we allow fear to stop us from being who we truly are. And so for four years, I went into this internal conflict and turmoil and I was ordained as a minister. I had responsibility for my father's, many of my father's people and congregation. But all the while I knew that there was a deeper truth brewing inside. And when I turned 18, I felt a calling. I felt a calling to come to America. I felt a calling to go into the self-help, spiritual, personal development field. You know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do isn't always convenient. Sometimes what your soul guides you to do isn't comfortable or doesn't make sense and you won't understand it. But I really believe through experience, looking back now, if you follow your soul, if you truly surrender and follow your soul without compromise, even if it doesn't make sense in that moment, I believe and I've experienced that you will always be guided in the right place with the right people at the right time, even though the route that you take may not be the one that you most expect. And so... I looked into my future, man, and I realized what I had to do, which was the most terrifying, scary thing, which was to confront my father. But, you know, my father wasn't the kind of guy you spoke to and had conversations with. He's old school African guy. It's just my way or my way you choose. And so I was terrified, honestly. And, and I was full of fear and questions. And I looked into my future and I saw I could follow the expected path. I could live the life that he wanted me to, the life that everyone expected of me. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my own truth, what kind of success is that? To me, this was a, I felt the pain of self-betrayal. And I saw that if I began at 18 to lie to myself about who I am and my life, if I began to lie to myself now, I would have to live this life for the rest of my life. And that was so painful. And so I had the conversation, the scary conversation. I told him I wasn't taking over, which felt like a death to me at the time. And we didn't speak for two years, you know, and it was very difficult. Sometimes people think, oh, when you find your purpose, like the angels appear and, you know, the, 
the violin plays and everything is easy and effortless and synchronicity all the time. I think sometimes when you find your purpose, that's when the challenges really begin. And sometimes when people face those challenges in the pursuit of the purpose, they think that they're on the wrong path and they end up giving up. But I believe that sometimes when you follow your purpose and you face those challenges, those challenges are actually a sign that you're on the right path. Those challenges are soul tests that you attract to you in order to develop the mental, emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual muscles so that we can develop, so that we can become the person that is capable of fulfilling the vision that we've been given. Because I think dreams and visions are evolutionary. They take us on a journey. And so I spoke to my father, left everything. We weren't speaking. And in the midst of that long story short, I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery, literally the DV1 green card lottery, which enabled me to come to the US with two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, knew no one in the country, landed in Los Angeles, following a dream. And I went and found many of the teachers, the mentors, the authors that I shared about, people like uh, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Deepak Chopra. I sat with some of them, learned from some of them, harassed some of them, you know, and uh, started started my, making my way into this field. And that began an amazing journey. Ended up traveling to places like Israel, uh, studied with rabbis, Thailand, studied with monks, ended up in India and to wrap the story, I think it was my time in, I spent like three, four months in India and it was my time in India that really cracked me open to a deeper sense of my purpose and yeah. the nature of reality. And, and it was then that I came back again to the US and started 20 years ago working with people one-on-one. -on -one. No idea what I was doing. This is before coaching was popular. And I began and one person transformed and the next person transformed and I kind of created my own way of coaching people. I called it uncoaching. And uh, people's lives started changing. One person, two people, five people. Before you know it, I was doing people flying from around the world and small groups and larger groups. And it just expanded and grew. I love that, man. From there. So, so to, man, that's, I love that. First of all, thank you for the, for the, that story. Um, I want to take a step back. So your dad, um, what type of a church was that? Was it like evangelical or like what was the... Like, yeah, I, th I think he's, my father started off very naturally gifted, you know. So it wasn't, it was non-denominational, uh, but you could say it was kind of Pentecostal non-denominational. Yeah. But when my father went to India in the 60s, <laughs> he had a kind of enlightenment experience in India, you know, with monks and mystics in the Himalayas and that opened him up to a different way of seeing reality. So I think my father, uh, his, his relationship with God and spirituality evolved. And I think my father became actually very metaphysical in a certain sense, very spiritual in a certain sense, but he had these churches. And so honestly speaking, I think by the time I was born, uh, his philosophy shifted. And, 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 and so for instance, you know, he would teach me like, hey, Christ wasn't just a person, Jesus Real, like Christ is a consciousness that we all have the potential to realize and access, whether you are Buddhist, whether you are Christian, whether you are, you know, no matter what you are, Christ is, is a consciousness and we all have the potential to realize our true nature, our true nature as Christ consciousness beings, you know, and, and so my father's philosophy, I think, was kind of similar to people like Yogananda, another great mystic, and so by the time I was born, he was a very metaphysical kind of guy. But he had 300 churches, and I think at his height, cool, mil at least a million followers in his churches in wow. Africa. 
Uh, it was massive. Like, for instance, uh, in the 80s, in one of his churches in London, there were five, about four or 5,000 people every Sunday. This is pre-internet, pre-mega you know, yeah. mega churches. Uh, in, in his churches in, in Ghana, 10,000, 15,000 people every Sunday. So My he, gosh. He, was, he was big back in the day. So, so when, you, when he put that on you, it was like, yeah, you're the heir apparent. And you're 14. Were you in school still? And you're like, or was yeah, it like, yeah, was the expectation yeah. that you were gonna? Do, were you doing both at the same time? Like, t- tell us a little bit about yeah, that four-year period. I, I, I was in school, and we would go to church every Sunday. You know, service was like three, four hours, uh, and I was in school. So it was kind of this weird uh, paradox where I had my spiritual life, and then. I go to school and then I was kind of a regular kid, sort of, not really. And so my friends in school knew nothing about my spiritual life, that I was <laughs> speaking on Sunday, taking care of people on Sunday, sometimes doing healings with my father on Sunday, and then going and playing soccer on Monday. It was it was kind of weird. So I never really spoke about it. Nobody knew about it. Uh, on top of that, as a kid, here I am literally devouring, you know, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Tony Robbins, Louise Hay, Osho books. And, and so I felt like a bit of an outsider in, in school. And so right. I was doing both. Yeah, I was doing both for sure. What? Um, so, so let me ask a question. So, so because this is just, uh, you know, I've kind of, I was, it's interesting when you describe your dad, because how, how what, what year was your father born in? You know, you know, I don't know, maybe the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say our, our dad sounds, my dad was born in 39. So my dad was born in 39 in Iran. <clears throat> right. And okay. what I always tell people and say, so your dad's probably, how old is your dad in his eighties now? Yeah. 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 So he's yeah. born in thirties in Africa. Right. And I'm like, I, I used to tell people, I go, look, my, my dad passed away in 2000. So he passed away when I was 22. But I said, uh, I said, uh, if you're born in 1939 in Iran, that's like being born in 1889 in the United States. So like, like my dad's <laughs> about as fucking old school as you can come, right? Yeah, so when you yeah. have an old school dad, it was a different time, man. This is like when, different. like, especially if you're not born in North America, if you're born in or in America for that matter, if you're born in the Middle East or Africa or you know less of a d- developed world, right? Developed. Yeah. Then the way I at least experienced it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts was like, yeah, kids were like, the kids were not kids. Like kids were like small adults. And like, you were there to like mm-hmm. do work, be responsible and contribute to the family. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. especially as a male, like yeah. you're the, you're the come up. Like, you know, yeah. I, like the, there's high, heavy, heavy expectations around like showing up, being responsible. Like mm-hmm. at least that was the expectation I grew up around. I'd love to hear, yeah. was that part of your experience with your father? Yeah, with my father, it was never really spoken about. But yeah, as you mentioned, there was a different day and age. I mean, my father didn't have a father. My father had to take care of his family from when he was in his teens. My father started healing, healing when he was 15. He started this church when he was 17. So in his world, no one helped him. And so I had to also, there were a lot of expectations on me. So I had to grow up very fast as well. And so it was a different generation. Right? It was a different era. It was different paradigm, a different, whole different way of thinking. And so there were a lot of expectations on me growing up. And there was a lot expected, not just from him, but from the community. Because sure. of the, the, I don't know, position he put me in, you know. And, and on one level, you know, as a kid, I used to, as a kid, I used to hate it on one level. I'm like, ah, oh, this is too much. But... As I became older, I realized everything we go through as human beings is part of our soul's path. Every mm. single experience, every single 
think from our childhood, whether it was pain, abuse, trauma, you know, dysfunction, every single thing we have gone through is part of the preparation for us to live our purpose. It is part of the ingredients that the cosmic, in quotation marks, cosmic chef uses to season us and prepare us. Everything we've been through is the preparation that qualifies us to be the perfect person to fulfill the dream and the vision. I always tell people that the dream you have, the goal you have, has chosen you because you're the perfect person based on everything you've been through. So when I look at my childhood, there were many moments when I was in my 20s, when I was put in situations after I came to America. I remember I was literally when I was 19, I was thrown into on stage in front of 20,000 people in an auditorium in Dallas, Texas. I just joined a multi-level marketing company. And as an 18-year-old, there's probably not that many 18-year-olds, who, unless you're like Justin Bieber who's singing, right, who could go <laughs> and speak for 10, 15 minutes and rivet an audience unprepared, unscripted. And I was thrown into the audience, and in the front row were my icons, my heroes, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Mark Victor Hansen, you know, uh, Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, Stephen Covey. And I remember being just invite, thrown into the stage, given 10, 15 minutes to speak, I've got a standing ovation. In that moment, I reflected back on my childhood. In that moment, I understood that as much as I hated my father's pressure, I hated my father throwing me into the audience, I hated the, the stress of never knowing when I was going to have to speak in front of 5,000 people. In that moment, I realized that I was being prepared. Mm. And, and, and I had the ability, and I was so grateful that I had gone through that experience because now when I was in front of 20,000 people, to be honest, it was normal. It was easy. I was, I'd been through this so many times that I was ready for that moment. And so sometimes when we go through experiences as children, even painful experiences, I believe that our pain can actually point to where our purpose lies. Our pain can point to where our gift lies. But, you know, our, our pain often comes wrapped gift wrapped in, in, in a wrapping that we don't always understand in the moment. Mm. So we have to kind of go back and unwrap it and digest it. But often in our pain lies our gifts, lies our blessings, if we're willing to look more closely. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. What do you, so what do you think, like, you know, you obviously, and your story is such an interesting story, but having come to the U.S., like jumping, you know, on a plane at 18 to come yeah. to the U.S., like, you know, obviously having that terrifying moment with your dad to get him to, to try to get his blessing, which sounds like you didn't which get didn't it. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen, but, you know, you were living your calling, as you said, you know, how did you think that went, like, how does that kind of parlay into what you just said a moment ago, which is like living your pain to live your purpose? Like, was that which, like, which part? well, the, like you were doing, taking risks, doing things that felt uncomfortable that you probably, and I'm guessing the minute you got off the plane here, there wasn't like a, sta- a standing ovation of people waiting to like take care of you. Like, like you had to go make it happen for yourself, right? Yeah, I knew no one. Look, right. look I, I remember when I had the conversation with my father, I was terrified before having the conversation. It took me four years to have the conversation. So for people that think, ah, be fearless is bullshit. Be fearless, get rid of fear. It's not true. Many times when you are growing and expanding, you will feel fear. Likely, if you have no fear and you're fearless, you're either crazy up here with a few screws loose or you're living a life that is too small. Mm. Because if you're truly growing, if you're truly expanding, if you're truly evolving, if you're truly stretching yourself, you're going to have to go outside of your comfort zone and do what you've never done. And it's going to be a bit scary. And so I invite people go where it's freaking scary because it's meant to be scary. And so if you don't feel fear, your goals are probably too small. They're probably too safe and you're probably not growing. So to me, the fear that that fear, which is kind of an excitement without breath, we just have to learn how to develop a relationship with the fear and breathe into it is a sign that you are growing outside of your comfort zone and going where you've never been before. And so I think fear is a beautiful thing. I was terrified took me four years to muster the courage to have the conversation with my father. I was terrified walking up up the stairs to have the conversation with my father. I was terrified whilst having the conversation with my father. I was terrified once I had the conversation with my father, wondering if I'd make the wrong choice. I'll never forget this moment. I went to my room 
after the conversation of telling my father I'm not taking over, wondering, questioning if I'd made the biggest mistake of my entire life. And I was crying, crying. And I said, I said a prayer. I said, God, if any of this shit is real, if you're real, if if this personal growth stuff is real, you know, think it, believe it, achieve it. If if any of this stuff is real, like I need to know this stuff works because I am following my soul. I'm following my guidance. I have literally jumped off a cliff and I'm flying in midair and I can't see where I'm going. I need some. I need some guidance. And I think it was a couple of days later. I was in the library the library of my school. And I was sitting there just wondering what the hell I'm about to do with my life because I've blown it up, basically. And someone handed me, literally just walked up to me and handed me a magazine called The Economist. This was a clue. I felt something like like strange. I I opened the magazine. I look in the back, and I think life gives us clues all the time. Mm. I opened the back of the magazine Open the back. I'm scrolling through the back. No idea why, but I'm just scrolling like, okay, what, what's happening here? I see an ad that says the American government's giving away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. And that's when I knew. But the, the thing is, many times as human beings, we're given clues, but we don't follow the clues. We're given clues, but we don't listen to the clues because we think that the clues of the universe need to come with like a loud siren bell, like the God has to come down on a cloud from the sky, knock on your door and and say this way. Sometimes the way the universe guides you is very subtle. It's a gentle nudging. It's a gentle whispering. Is a phone call. Is a look from a friend. Is a comment from a friend. Is a is is a very you know a video you see on YouTube, and that's just the way life is guiding you. But we're often not paying attention. So one of the things I tell people is pay attention, and once you receive the clue, be obedient and follow it. So I got this clue: American government's giving away fifty-five thousand green cards in the green card lottery. Most of us stop ourselves because we engage our mind, and we're like. I'm never going to win. This will never happen. How will this happen? I just said, okay. I just said I was naive enough maybe to just say yes. And I entered it. And that's when I won the green card. But it was funny because I entered it in April. And I was told, unless you hear by September the 18th, if you don't hear by September the 18th, move on with your life. Mm. September the 17th happened. And I've been visualizing every day, visualizing every day, nothing fully expecting to get an envelope in the mail. Nothing happened. Every single day, no envelope, no confirmation, no confirmation. September the 17th, September the 18th, nothing. Now I'm pissed off, mad at the world, mad at God. I basically went into my room, told my mother, Mom, I'm going to the U.S. I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to go there illegally. Doesn't matter. I'm just going. Okay, I'm going. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm going. Okay, and pack my bags, mad at the world, Felt like God had let me down. That night, we got a phone call from America. The law firm I applied through said, is this Mr. Blackson? I said, yes. He said, you've won a green card. We just got your notification today. And I remember in that moment, man, I was jumping around, jumping around, celebrating, hugging my mother. And I heard this voice that said, why you seem so surprised? Did you not know? Hmm. You knew you were going to win. Did you not believe? And so many of us, we feel this nudging. We feel this calling. We feel we're destined for something. We feel we're meant to do something. But we either, when we face the challenges, we stop short. We give up. 
we give up right before that moment. We we start questioning ourselves. We start judging ourselves. We start listening to all the other voices of our minds. We start listening to everyone else, and we don't follow through. And so for me, what I learned to do was just be obedient. Something says turn left, turn left. Something says turn right. Turn left. You don't have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. There is an intelligence inside of you that knows. You don't have, and you don't have to know what something means in a moment in order to take the next action step. Mm. Most of the time when we're like, something says to us, go here. Why? What's going to happen? And we start talking ourselves out of it. And so one thing I learned was I don't have to understand why I'm guided to do this. I just have to follow this guidance because many times you will only understand life, not in the moment. Because in the moment, you're looking at life from the perspective of your limited understanding in that moment based on your conditioning, based on your experience, based on your consciousness. And whatever interpretation you might make up about why something is happening is going to be limited to your current consciousness. So often life will only make sense in retrospect, years later, months later, decades later, looking back when you're able to see the whole picture. And so we often stop ourselves because we try to figure everything out. Figuring everything out and trying to analyze and understand everything is the ego's way of trying to control and trying to protect us because we mistakenly believe if I understand why, why is everything happening? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why I'm going here? What we mistakenly think that that's going to somehow protect us and keep us safe, but it doesn't. It stops us from taking action. It stops us from, from momentum. And so I just took action. I just took a next step. I just took a next step. And so there were many moments where I literally had no idea what I was doing. Showed up in the US, you know, you asked, showed up in the US. No freaking idea what the hell I was doing. No idea. I had $800, two suitcases, no plan. All I knew was something was guiding me. Yeah, All I yeah. knew was something was pulling me. And I believe that that, you know, my encouragement is that as, as a humanity, we start trusting that intelligence inside. That intelligence inside is the same intelligence that is breathing you right now. That intelligence inside is the same intelligence that is digesting your food. It knows what to do. Like you and I, we didn't eat breakfast this morning. I had two slices of toast, you know, with some yogurt this morning. <clears throat> How is it that my hand doesn't turn into toast? There is an intelligence inside that knows exactly what to do. It knows there are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of processes happening right now in this moment for us to be able to have this conversation. What's doing that? There's something that's doing it. So for me, that same intelligence that is breathing me, we're not sitting here going, okay, breathe, 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 breathe. For, force, force yourself to breathe and control your breath. Right. It's just breath is just happening. So I believe that there is an intelligence inside of me, intelligence inside of you, that is the infinite intelligence, the innate intelligence that knows what to do and it knows how to unfold life for us if we're willing to surrender and bring ourselves into alignment. And so for me, I've just sought to, I've just sought to follow that more than anything. So let me let me ask a question on that. And I really appreciate where you, where, where a the story and b where you're going with it. So, you know, I'm a person. You know, I'm an entrepreneur, CEO, I've grown some really big <clears throat> businesses. I've you know, you don't know me that well, but I've I would say like most people look at what I've done and they're like, oh, it's pretty impressive, right? 
And I was always a person that was like, I'm going to control this. I'm going to, I'm going to fucking make it happen. I'm, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I got, I got this. I'm going to make this happen. Right. And, and, and I think that a lot of people will have a warrior spirit. A lot of our listeners are going to be CEOs, entrepreneurs. They have that like internal burning warrior spirit. (laughs) And where I found friction and, and maturity is based on what you, where you just went, which was you can only control so much. Yeah. And if, and if, and if, and if, and I don't know what you want to call it, if you want to call it a higher intelligence or God or fate or whatever you want to call it, if you're saying, Hey, inevitably you're not in control, man. All you can do is show up and live your talents and go make shit happen. But inevitably you're here to do, to do bigger work for a bigger reason, for a bigger purpose that you're not in control of. How do you reconcile those two? The one part where, a, I want to go make it happen, and B, even using yourself as an example, I'm going to go to America. I don't care what, mm-hmm. right? And then B, the higher intelligence says, "Hey, bud, don't worry about it. You're going no, to America." But, but, How do you but, reconcile but, those? Yeah, here's the thing. It it wasn't like I'm going to go to America. It was more about America called me, and I felt the pull. I felt the pull, and that's when I aligned myself with the energy of where the stream of my life was going. Mm. And I said, that's where I'm going. So, 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 so look, the old paradigm of creating, of manifesting, of living, the old paradigm is all about get clear on what you want, know what you want, go make it happen. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and this is an ego, but nothing wrong with it. it. It works to a degree. Right. It's an ego-based model of manifesting and creating life. And you might get, you might get every, you, you might achieve and manifest what you set out to manifest, and you might manifest what you thought you wanted. But many times, and maybe you've had this experience where you got what you thought you wanted, only to realize that what you thought you wanted was not what you really wanted. Totally, and then maybe 100%. At, at, a, at a certain point, you reach a point of dissatisfaction. I mean, how many Lamborghinis can you drive? I mean, how many Ferraris can you have? I mean, how, how, how much caviar can you eat? I mean, nothing wrong with it. But there comes a moment where what you thought you wanted is not what you really wanted. Maybe it's what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And so the old ego-based model way of manifesting and creating is great, is good, but it has limitations. It has limitations because when we create life from the level of our ego, which is based on past, which is based on experience from the past, which is based on conditioning, it's limited because the ego mechanism is not able to see the totality of what is seeking to unfold in life. So when you look at someone like Mandela, Mandela went in the direction and the apartheid, Stanford's people. Should he have not spent 27 years in prison? Should he have not spent 27 years in prison? What if he didn't spend 27 years in prison because he made some other shit happen? Would that have changed the course of his destiny? Probably. Maybe he had to spend 27 years in prison, which is probably not what he intended, which is probably not what he wanted of his own humans. Who the hell wants to spend 27 years in prison? Yeah, no way. But perhaps it was that 27 years in prison that there's a deeper intelligence was calling him into a deeper relationship with his soul, perhaps that 27 years in prison 
was the, the necessary incubation preparation baking period so that he could meditate and vision and cultivate that depth of compassion and forgiveness and, and connection to his soul to develop the soul force so that when he came out, he was sufficiently ripened in his spirit to be able to impact humanity at the level, even in a short period of time. Wow. Should he have never, not spent 27 years in prison? Because I'm sure on a personality level, that's not what anyone would want. Of course And not. so for me, there's a different question. And I think this is, as a humanity, this is the last few years, I feel like the universe has been preparing us as a humanity to move into a whole new paradigm and way of living. We have been... We have been uh, pushed into a whole new way of living. So the question becomes less about what do I want? What do I want to make happen? What do I want to create? What do I want? Because many times our goals and dreams can be projections of unmet needs from childhood. You know, uh, you were bullied. Dad wasn't around. Got rejected by all the girls. No one loved you. So if I can just be successful, if I can just be famous, if I can just have that you know sexy body, if I can just make enough money, then I'm going to finally be enough like I wasn't back then. But the truth is that still doesn't make you fulfilled and happy. And so for me, the shift, the new paradigm is a paradigm of surrender. And that shift becomes a different question. The question becomes, and this will answer your question maybe more specifically. The question becomes, what is it that, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express through me? What is the deepest impulse of what my soul is seeking to manifest through me? What is the deepest truth of what my soul, my spirit, life, the universe, the divine, whatever you believe, is seeking to express through me? And then aligning your, and so becoming still, to listen to something that's deeper than your insecurities, your inadequacies, your personality and your fear, to align with your soul. And when you listen to that deep inner guidance of what it's guiding you to do, then you can align with that. Then you can align your marketing, your resources, your money, your PR, your, biz your, your business plan, your strategy with what is authentic and aligned and true. And then you go into action. Then you give a 100% Everything you've got, but you're working in alignment with what's true, not just what you think you should be doing. I'll give you, a, does that make sense? And yeah, so I'll give you a, a specific example. The Magic of Surrender book that came out was a bestseller. This book was not the book I thought I was going to write. This was not even the book I wanted to write. I, Koo, had a whole nother intention of the book I wanted to write. And I sat down one day, man, honest truth, with an entire whiteboard with my editor. And I said, I'm going to write a freaking New York Times bestseller. That's mega bestseller. And I'm going to come up with the sexiest title and the sexiest niche, the sexiest angle, the, the, the most amazing concept that is going to make this book a bestseller. And we brainstormed probably a hundred ideas, hundred ideas, hundred concepts that I thought would sell, that I thought my audience would want that I thought publishers would want, that I thought would be a New York Times, that I thought the title was a, you know, a, a mega winning title. And when I sat and looked at this entire whiteboard, none of those ideas and none of those topics really, none of them felt authentic and none of them felt true. 
when I looked at that board, the only word that felt true was the word surrender. Mm. And I knew in that I knew in that moment I could bullshit myself if I wanted, but I knew in that moment that the book, the book that was the book that was seeking to be written, was a book about surrender. And that's when I had to align myself with the book that was seeking to be written. And that's when I think the magic happens. You know, that's to me the whole essence of surrender. Surrender is not, you know, we have this idea in our culture, I would say a myth, a myth that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender means giving up, that when you surrender, you're going to be a doormat, you're not going to manifest, you're going to just sit around and, you know, eat nachos all day and do nothing, you know. <laughs> when you surrender, you're going to be left behind, you're going to get less in life. I'm, I, I'm actually saying no. What if you truly, if you truly understood surrender, what if you surrendered and you didn't get less, but you actually got more, like more abundance, more joy, more than you could have even planned with your conscious limited intention. And so just to clarify, surrender is letting go of control or the illusion of control that you don't have. Surrender is when you stop trying to force life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be. Like, this person has to be the one. This project has to. Sometimes we try to force things to be something that they're not. And all we do is we create stress for ourselves. And it's not even fulfilling even when we make it happen. And so surrender is the willingness to allow. The willingness to allow life to show you the willingness to take the limitations off of life. So it is aligning with what's most true, giving 100% simultaneously, letting go of the outcome, not being attached to the outcome. Because sometimes we don't realize that we end up limiting the universe and limiting life because we get so attached to how we think something should be, how we think life should be, how we think a relationship should be, how we think a business should be. It's got to be this way that we're not available to, to something else. We're not available to something shifting. We're not available to pivoting because we're like, no, it needs to look this way. And we don't realize we're limiting life. And so surrender is to take the limits off of life so that we can be truly available and truly open. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What, um... What do you think? So, you know, there's a quote that I heard this summer. I read a book called The Power One More by Ed Milet. Um, okay. I, don't know if, I don't know if you've read his book or not, but um, I read it. it's, it's, it's a great book. Um, he, he, he mentions, you know, so there's two, two things I want to ask you. First of all, he talks about is life happening to you or is life happening for you? 
right? When, and everything you're talking uh-huh. about right now is life happening for you type of language, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. But you, and, and it was interesting, anyone that's wa- listening to this, you're not going to see what, what Coot was just doing, but he was grabbing, like grabbing hold of something. Mm-hmm. And I, I used the term uh-huh. that I spent the first, last 22 years of my life as an entrepreneur, white knuckling myself to success, the squeezing as hard as I fucking could to make, make shit happen. And in this past summer, I kind of had a mystical experience where I just let go wow. as I'm, as I'm done. Yeah. And it was like a God experience and, and we only you know, offline, we can talk about it, but, but it was a really kind of a crazy experience. And, um, and I've talked about it a little bit on the show and, um, but the reason I bring it up is I think that logically speaking, it it's easy to think like, yeah, I'll just let go. And I'm just going to like, let, you know, the world happen for me. And I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to quit trying to control. But biologically, I think that we're wired to try to like protect and control. Right. And so there's the, so the idea of surrender, although I think for a lot of people who have not experienced it, and I'm talking to a being a former control freak to B being someone that actually has found surrender. And which is why I really wanted to talk to you. Um, dude, I, you could, I tried surrendering for 10 years before I finally had it. And, and, the, and when Let's I finally, when I finally surrendered, man, it was when I was done. I was, I was just, I couldn't do it. I, I, I was just, I, I beat myself to a pulp and I'm like, hey, I'm <laughs> over it, man. Do with me what you will. God use my gifts to create a better world around me. Right. And, and so that's what it took for me. And I'm telling you, I wish I, I didn't have to go through that level of pain to yes. finally surrender to the outcome. Yes. Right. Which was, I'm not in control. I'm just going to use my gifts and channel life through me to go create. Right. That I landed there when I was no other options. Right. But which is so, how most of us get there. We get there as a last option, but why, you know, why not get, why, why not go there first? That's exactly, re- that's exactly where a, I'm there, going. There is right. a, there is a reason why we don't go there first. And I can, I can break it down if you want. Yeah. So the question is, why don't we go there first and be like for listeners who are like, I, I don't want to do what Darius just described. <laughs> like, like I want to go there the easier way. How do I just get there easier? Cause I would tell so, you, so, I, I wish I got there easier. How could I've gotten there easier? Wow. So let me try and break it down a bit. So yes, I think everything you're saying is, is on point and it's natural. It's understandable. It, it, it Surrender can seem hard, but what I want to say before I explain the mechanism of why surrender can seem and appear difficult is that we hold the paradigm that actually surrender is our natural state. Surrender is actually what is natural to us, but we have just been conditioned out of it. The truth is surrender is the most natural thing. It's actually easy. You know, we've just been conditioned to hold on so tightly that, that, that when you say, like, like that, that this whole, like, for those that are listening, I'm making a fist and I'm holding a pen and I'm gripping this fist, white knuckling so tightly that I'm holding on so tightly. And, and this, but this is how we go through life. Right. But after a few years of life of holding on, we think that this holding on posture is natural, but it's not. But it starts mm. feeling normal, but it's not. But it starts feeling like this is who I am, but it's not. So if we say surrender, well, how easy is it to just surrender? I mean, <laughs> Darius, this, this is so easy, but, right? I mean, it doesn't take any effort to let go, but we've just been so conditioned to hold on that, that we're, 
we're now saying it's so hard to surrender. No, it's not. But it just, it feels hard to surrender. Yeah. And so surrender is our natural state. Surrender is actually hardwired into our physiology. Mm. Is why. You, the, the, the divine hardwired surrender, the code of surrender into your physiology. Breathe in. If everyone breathes in, keep breathing in. Keep breathing in. At some point, you have to breathe out. Right, right, right. <laughs> every moment of life, life is showing you surrender. Yeah. Every breath is a code and a reminder of the natural flow of things, the natural inhale and exhale. Surrender is that letting go. You can't, no matter how great you want to be, I don't care if you're super whim half on steroids, you can't just breathe in, breathe in. At some point, you got to surrender. This is life's way of reminding you that surrender is the natural, the natural flow of life. And so here's the thing. When we're born, we're born in a state of surrender. As children, we're born free. A child is in that natural flow of surrender, man. A child will, will, will cry when they feel like they're in the flow. They will laugh when they feel like. They'll poop when they feel like. They'll jump on the table naked and they're not worrying. Do I look good on Instagram? You know, how much cellulite <laughs> do I have? A child will sing, right? A child will sing fully expressed. It's not worrying. I don't sound like Adele or Bruno Mars. It's just being... If natural, innate, surrendered self, that is what we are. So yeah. what the hell happens? So we are these surrendered beings, our natural state. We incarnate into this human experience. Now we incarnate into a preset pattern of conditioning because we're born into a generational pattern of conditioning based on our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. And, their parents. and then our parents... They're just, God bless them, right? They're just doing the best that they knew how to do based on being born in the 1930s in Iran, being born in the 1930s in, 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 the Af- in Africa, right? In a whole different universe. And so our parents, they're doing the best that they can do. Maybe dad was crazy. Maybe mom was an alcoholic. Maybe they were great people, but they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. So two things happen. And this is where the understanding can, can, can really pop. The first thing is we learned all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel. Shut down, disconnect, not feel. Maybe mom and dad were fighting all the time. This was too painful. We don't want to feel this pain. We felt helpless. It felt horrible to feel out of control. So let me shut down, disconnect, not feel. Let me erect all sorts of walls and mechanisms around my sensitivity because it's too painful so that I don't have to feel the pain of what's going on around. Don't have to feel the dysfunction. Don't have to feel the abuse. Don't have to feel the trauma. Don't have to feel my needs aren't being met. And so we erect walls around our heart. Now shut down, disconnect, not feel. We learn to control our emotions and feelings. Control, control, control. This is where control. If I can control how I feel and regulate, then I don't have to feel the pain and feel out of control. Then we learn a strategy, most of which is unconscious. Who do I need to be in order to get love and validation from mom and dad? For me as a young boy, I thought I needed to be the perfect son, the preacher's kid, the responsible one, I, you know, the caretaker, the perfect one. I couldn't get upset. I had to be perfect and take care of everyone. So we start contorting ourselves into a certain pattern, into a certain shape, into a certain personality to get love, validation, and approval. 
It's another form of control. And now we become this shape. We become a program, a shape that we think, oh, I'm just independent. I'm just nice. I'm just X, Y, Z. I'm just, I'm just this way. But we don't realize that the version of ourselves, Coot, Darius, John, Susie, that we've become is simply a program pattern set of conditioned responses that we've learned to hold on to, to avoid pain and get love validation approval. That is not freedom. And so this version of ourselves that we become to avoid pain and get love validation approval is who we think we are. And this holding on posture is ego. Ego. And the degree to which we are identified with this version of ourselves, Dariusness, cooteness that we've become, is the degree to which we're not free. But is the degree to which we are in ego, and ego is not a thing. Ego is a process of identification. And the job of the ego is to reinf- and it's what we believe ourselves to be. And so the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence, right. and the job of the ego is to protect you to never get hurt again. And feel what you felt again. Like the job of the ego is to make sure you never feel that helpless again. You never feel that out of control again. And so with all the strategies and the way we've become and we've now learned to control a white knuckle, when you say surrender, Darius, surrender for the ego, surrender. This is why it feels hard. (sighs) Feels like a death. Yeah. Surrender feels yeah. like a death because we've been conditioned and hardwired to believe ourselves to be this pattern of conditioning. So we believe that if I surrender and I let go of this way of patterning that I've learned to function and survive, it worked for me when I was five, kind of worked for me when I was 15, but it kind of is not working for me when I'm 35 and 40 and 50 now. It's kind of limiting my ability to receive love and be in relationship and you know be intimate and, and be fulfilled and happy. It's getting in the way because right. we're not five anymore. And so the ego's job is to protect, is to reinforce its existence, to protect, protect us from getting hurt. When we understand that we are not this ego and we are not these patterns, these patterns are just a process. And when we understand the intention of the ego, which is to protect us, then part of surrender, even when we feel ourselves resisting, because it's natural to resist, because for the ego, surrender feels like a death. And so resistance, survival kicks in, and we start resisting. And so when we can understand that, sometimes part of surrender is surrendering to that we may not be surrendered right now. Mm. And when we can meet ourselves, meet our ego, Meet ourselves with compassion. Meet ourselves with loving. And hold ourselves in our resistance with tenderness, with understanding and care. Without forcing ourselves to like surrender now, because that creates more resistance. But we can hold our resistance with like, hey, I see you. I understand. I'm not this pattern, but I'm with you understand and just love ourselves through our resistance we start developing a different relationship with ourselves and our fear and our resistance so we're not forcing ourselves to surrender we're meeting our resistance holding it compassionately then we start finding that those patterns and those parts of us that are resisting surrendering for good cause right 
can begin to relax and can begin to open again. And that's when healing can happen. And that's when surrender can begin happening, not because we're making ourselves surrender, but because we're holding ourselves compassionately. Oh, man. Shows, we, I wish the show had another hour to it. <laughs> I, hey, man, I wanted I wanna, to, to break down. No, break I love that, down. man. You, you're, this is amazing. And the way you just described that like couldn't have, couldn't have been more true. Man, that's just – I'm really excited to check your book out. So um, we always end the show here with the question for all of our guests, sure. you know. Um, and, you know, we're, we are the greatness machine. We're all people living their passions, create greatness in the world. And I always ask the question of our guests, you know, what do you believe is the number one barrier to greatness that you've faced in your life and how did you overcome it? Oh, well, I, I actually think what I just said in the description about yeah. how we are conditioned really is the barrier. Because when we're conditioned, we forget who we are. We don't know who we are. And we think that we are just these limited little bodies, beings, personalities, when what we are is freaking infinite. What we are is we are infinite beings, eternal, infinite beings. And that true essence of what we are is what is truly, truly, truly great. The body will fade. Your hair will change. Your eyes will change. This body at some point will dissolve. Bruce Lee died. Buddha died. Muhammad Ali died. Freaking, you know, uh, uh, Bob Marley died. You know, uh, <laughs> Martin Luther King died. Mande- Mandela died. If they died, you and I are going to die. So this body is limited. But what is great and what is infinite is what we truly are. And I think when we know what we are, beyond our conditioning, then we tap into another, to me, that is the deeper level of surrender, surrendering to our true self, our true identity, our true authentic essence. Because when we surrender, then we tap into another dimension of our true potential. Mm. And that's when life, we realize we are life, we are one with life. Jesus said, I and my father are one. All the great mystics, teachers knew that I and life are one. And and that's when life starts to manifest through you. Not to you, but through you. And not just through you, but as you. That's when the magic happened. And all the great ones, they surrendered. Buddha, Jesus, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, they surrendered to life and life used them. And life manifested through them in ways that they could not have even imagined to me that's that's the true greatness oh man coot blackson what a pleasure having you on the show my friend it really like like this was uh you kind of blew my mind i love it um so you guys the book is the magic of surrender you also have a great book uh you are the one um why don't we uh how can people connect with you how can they get the books where can they get more of yeah thank you thank you for having me on yes the book magic of surrender paperback go get it on um Amazon, it's available there. Check it out. And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Coot Blackson, Facebook, Coot Blackson. My main website is Coot, K-U-T-E, Blackson.com. And for those that might feel inspired by the conversation and ready to go to another level, twice a year, I do a very special deep dive transformational event in Bali. I'm doing my last two events in Bali this year, Um, www boundlessblissbali.com that's boundlessblissbali.com the next event is July the 28th 
find out all the info there. Awesome. So you guys heard it here. We'll put that all in the show notes. Coop Laxon, man, like I said, what a pleasure having you, my yeah. friend. I'm excited for the book, excited for all the things you're putting out in the world. Uh, listeners, listen, go support Coot, uh, get the book. You have Audible on this book, by the way? Yes, yes. Are you, are, did you did I you read? Did, I was, I was going to say, I hope you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're an animated guy. I love it. I'm, I'm excited to listen to your book. Um, you guys, go get the book. Go check out uh, the retreat in July. Uh, follow Coot on all the social. And if you love this, listen, this is the type of message where don't wait for yourself or your friends to hit the wall that I hit. You know, like go learn about this stuff because – I will tell you this, had I been able to find surrender without it being a last resort, I can just tell you I would have probably been a lot happier for a lot a lot sooner. So Coop, my friend, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank Peace you. out, everyone. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.